iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Um, today we're very pleased to have Isabella Rosalini joining us. Uh, she is the filmmaker, actress, and author of this book, Green Porno, which celebrates uh, the recent hit series that's been airing on the Sundance channel. Um, the book includes a DVD of many of the short films from the series, and uh, these witty, entertaining, informative, and most importantly, scientifically accurate films uh, share with us the bizarre rating rituals of animals. So uh, before we bring out our special guests tonight, we uh, invite you to enjoy a clip from Green Porno. Yum. Fried calamari, my favorite. If I were a calamari, I would be a squid, and everyone would want to eat me. I would squirt black ink from my anus so that I can disappear and propel myself off. By luminescent effects and by changing shape, I can communicate I can say, be careful. I can say, I love you with my whole three hearts. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, Isabella Rosalini and today's guest moderator, David Schwartz. So, um, so these films have become quite a success. I mean, incredible yes. success. They've been seen by at least four million people, probably five million by now. Are you um, surprised by how these have taken off? And yes, we are surprised because it started as a, a small experiment to make film for the internet and to see if a short format. I mean, really, Sandance and uh, Robert Redford was interested on uh, start again short film format. They were very popular during the silent era, but then they sort of fell out of favor, and now it's very hard to see silent, uh, short films. Uh, and Redford and Sandance, who are for experimental filmmaking and pushing always films, they thought, oh, maybe the internet is a good place to to uh, to create an, a content for short films. And it, it was a great way for you to start directing. In a way, it's sort of, you've done so many things in your career. It's, um, it was less intimidating, for sure, yeah. because to start with two minutes film, in a, yeah. an experiment for the internet, if I had known there were millions of people seeing it, and now <laughs> it's a book and a DVD and a television program, I probably would have felt overwhelmed. But it all started slowly. So. And I read that you have been interested in animals for a very long time. So could you talk about how you sort of took your interest and, and brought it to this form? I was always interested, since I was a little girl, I was interested in animals and animal behavior. So I always read about them. I raised dog for the blind as a volunteer. I'm a bird watcher. So when this opportunity came about, it was Sandance that uh, contacted me uh, to make the two minutes film. And they said, if, if they have an environmental content, we will be more inclined to finance them because one of the mission of the Sandance is to have more films and documentary that are green. So I thought, oh, I can make the films about animals. But then, I don't know, people are not very interested in animals, but everybody's interested <laughs> about sex. So That's I was going to make films in. about right. how animals have sex. <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, how did you sort of come to the format of the films? If you, you know, if you look at a bunch of these films, they they follow this same sort of basic format that start if I were exactly teach us a few things. They have a very sort of simple uh, but playful style. In a way, I think I learned it working as a model because I did a lot of commercial and I did a lot of editorial work, and you have to have something that marries so that when you open, for example, the pages of Vogue, you know that this is one story and then there is another one. So visually, and, and yet the clothes change, the model could change, right. but something has to bind it together so that you know that they are little stories. So it was important for me to find a formula that can be repeated because this was going right. to be a series. Yeah. Uh, the choice of making all the costume in paper was due to two reasons. One was... Uh, economical because the budget was very low and second it was because we realized that if we did film for the internet a lot of people would see it is in their mobile and the mobile have a small screen and if you look at Lawrence of Arabia in your <laughs> small screen you right. don't see it but if you see animation Walt Disney in a big screen in your television screen or your mobile yeah. it's pretty much the same it doesn't lose anything so we decided to go with this aesthetic of the cartoon. Uh, yeah. And they are films. They, they do look great, uh, you know, on an iPhone. Um, they're just yes, sort of designed they do. that way. And also the fact that they're always made on paper. They always yeah. start, if I were, it binds it together. It makes it a real little series, a little family of film. And did you have, um, I don't know, sort of an idea of, of a message? Like what, what's fun about the films is they are... As I said, they're very playful, but they, they also do teach you about animals that, that you don't really think about a lot. The original one, uh, uh, I think the la latest one, like the one <laughs> yeah. that you've just seen, has a more explicit right. environmental message. That yeah. was due to my association with Claudio Campagna. The first film that I did, it was difficult to find scientists. To, I would call them and say, please, can you check that my science is correct? But I was not a filmmaker. I did a film called Blue Velvet. It was very <laughs> controversial. The film was called Green Porn. So a lot of people say, oh, we'll call you back. I right. never did. But when the film came out and turned out to be successful, it was easier to contact scientists. And the most available and helpful was Claudio Campagna, who then at a certain point suggested to make the film more explicitly environmental, which I thought it was interesting, just an as an experiment. I'm not, I don't feel, uh, I mean, I'm concerned for the environment, but I'm an entertainer. I don't want to be a politician or a, an advocate. I'm an entertainer, so I want to amuse people. But I thought it was interesting to add a little message. The first right. message was a laugh, and then say, oh, I didn't know that. This one is a laugh, oh, I didn't know that, and a little more information about the environment. But also aesthetically, I was very interested in seeing if my, what I call my little theater, could marry well with documentary footage. Some of the documentary footage that you've seen was shot by Claudio Campagna underground. Yeah. He, he sent their people to pretend to be uh, fishermen, and they um, collected all this documentation. Yeah. Of course, I always, I, I, you know, think about your parents and who your parents are. And you've, you've said that um, coming from... Uh, the, I guess we're talking about reproduction today, today so the reproduction of uh, the filmmaker Roberto Rossellini and the actress Ingrid Bergman. You've said that's something you, you think about them a lot. So I'm just wondering what you, you know, what is it you get from, from that heritage? Well, it was from their reproduction that I yeah. am the right. result. So I know, it was we're very essential. grateful to that, yes. <laughs> <I'm very> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, well, I am still in films, you know. I yeah. think that my, 
I've always been interested in science, but I remained in the domain of film and filmmaking yeah. because that's where it's my upbringing and yeah. that's where my family of friends are. Um, my parents are, I think of them, but I think, I think of them a lot, but I think yeah. a lot of people think of their parents, only <laughs> mine happened to be famous and happened to be in the, in the same business, or yeah. I'd rather I remained in the same business as, as them. But I, I mean, there are some parallels. You've uh, often looked for independent ways to make films. You know, uh, your father um, you know, helped launch a whole st style of neorealist film. Yes. And you've worked in very interesting independent films. You've sort yes, of this probably has to do with my background. Yeah. I was never intimidated to make experimental film or low-budget film yeah. or experiments. Uh, I never thought, oh, they might ruin my career or what would they do to my career, which is generally the way people think. This is probably due to my background. You know, I, film was there to be made and to be experimented. Okay. So I was very, I've been very bold about it, not without realizing that I've been bold. It was just part of my up upbringing. But I did end up having no agent wanting to represent me. Because <laughs> agents, they want a career that they can plan in a much, much more predictable way. <laughs> and you want to do things that don't always necessarily bring in a lot of money. I mean, you want to do what you want to do. Well, I do. think the traditional thing that actors do is that you do a film and you're paid a certain amount of money. The next film has to pay you a little bit more. Otherwise, you don't do it. And that's, you know, so that's how you escalate your salary. And that's also how your agent who takes 10% earns money. And that's interesting to them, this formula. But mine, I've done a film, you know, whatever they pay me, if they pay me a lot of money, oh, thank you very much. Oh, <laughs> this is really interesting. I'll do it for nothing. And that up and down, as I think had brought down my cachet altogether. Hmm. And so agents are reluctant to work with me. <laughs> but, you know, they, they can't do really much anyway to help you with the experimental film. And right now, you know, after you reach a certain age, there is less work. So the only work that you can do and you have time to do is the experimental film. So if they're successful, like Green Porno, it's fantastic. It's a great satisfaction. And if they're not successful, it doesn't really matter. Nobody mm. notices. Nobody sees them. <laughs> so there's nothing to lose. <laughs> now, I want to ask you, you um, your performances are really delightful in these films. And you get to play uh, not only a variety of roles, but sort of you play with gender a lot. You know, and you're actually here today dressed in a sort of suit and button-down <laughs> shirt. Um, and these, it's been pointed out that you often play the male of the species in these films. So could you talk about that, like what it was well, like for you, you as an actress? Yes, no, later on, people said, oh, but you're playing male. Do you realize that you have s jumped genders? But, you know, some, first of all, some animals are born male and they become female or vice versa or are hermaphrodites. I didn't think that it was much of a jump to play male since I was playing spider uh, or you know, already. <laughs> Once you so made that leap. Then yeah. when that came, when the film came out, people noticed that thing. Oh, you're playing male. Yes. <laughs> that seemed to me the the le the, le the, the, the le smallest right. leap. The smallest leap. Yeah. And the generally, when I play male, it was generally due to technical. Um, these are all the set and the costumes and my mate are generally made of paper. So. Whoever, it's just how to, you know, for example, the spider. The spider, generally, the female is gigantic, and she sits on the web and, and waits for the prey because the web is, a, is like a net to catch a prey, and then they eat it. So the male, who's much smaller than her, has to approach very, very carefully because 
if he shakes the, the web, the female might think it's a prey and eats him before he can get to be recognized, I'm your husband. So <laughs> it was easier for me to play the male because I had to move and climb right. because everything is on paper and make the female just a big paper cutout. So sometimes I play male just for that reason. <laughs> it was just easier with the paper set. Um, what, what animals have you enjoyed playing the most here? Like which ones were the most... Fun or liberating or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody, nothing had a, you know, a liberating sexual <laughs> effect on me finally. <laughs> there was nothing. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was what was wonderful. It was to be able to do things that I thought I wanted to do when I was 14. The, my, when I was 14 years old, my father gave me a book called King Salomon's Ring, written by Conrad Lawrence, who was the first person who studied animal behavior and... Uh, founded a science called in America Animal Behavior and Etology in Europe. And uh, uh, I fell in love with that book. And since then, I always said, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to make films about animals. And then I never came around to make them because documentaries um, seem to be so well done by David Attenborough, National Geographic, Nova. What else can you do? Um, then I start working as a model, as an actress, and little by little, this child dream, in a way, has has come back. I never really abandoned it. So um, now I'm making them about. And, and you're paying attention to the neglected animals. I mean, we've seen like horses and and lions and tigers on film, but not worms or barnacles. You know, you see. Yes, actually. They might be the neglected animal, but they are also the animal that we know. And since I'm, I have this interest in science, I get very frustrated when I read something very interesting about an animal that has a Latin name that I think it might be a bug, but that lives in the Amazon. There is no photo of it. And how do you portray that? You know. So I did one of there were two criteria to select the animals that I've done from Green Porno. One, want to understand the science of it and how to translate it into my costume. But most of all, that there were animals that we all knew. Because I wanted you to go out there after seeing Green Porno and say, oh, tonight eating a shrimp. I don't know. I know it's changing sex. Or because <laughs> shrimps are born male and they become female. Or, um, you know, you're about to swat a, 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 a fly and you think, oh, that fly made this way and has baby right. that way. Yeah, I found that. Uh, I've been watching a lot of these films and I was out mowing the lawn yesterday and I saw a little cricket. And I n normally wouldn't think about it, but now I looked at him sympathetically and exactly. wondered, you know, he's probably got... See, then my film are truly green. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't run him over. So, um, exactly. So what's the, um, the process of making one of these? Like, how long do they take to make? How, how do you do the research? I do the research first, and it's hard to gauge the research. You know, sometimes uh, uh, it takes longer, sometimes it takes... Because it's not only the research, it's also the idea of how to make the costumes right. and how to translate all this. Now, I'm helped immensely by Andy Byers and Rick Gilbert, who do the actual costume and cut and paste and do the sets. But the original solution is thought by me. When I write my script, I storyboard them so that I constantly force myself to think in visual because the temptation to use words and explain, but words and explanation is no good in film. Film is a visual art. So when I write my script, I do all these little stick, not, not extraordinarily beautiful drawing, but um, 
and then put very few sentences, you know, so, uh, and then try to find the basic solutions. Once we have that, I take it to Rick and Andy, and then it takes them about two to three weeks to develop, uh, to, to do all the paper cutout. And then it takes about one film, one animal per day, because though they are very simple little film, every setup, every time the camera moves, in fact, we're changing the costume. You might see me here, but then when it goes there, I have to wear the entire costume, the set, the background has to be all set up. <laughs> so they're more complicated yeah. than, uh, than what they appear to be. And are you going to keep going with these? I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of species out there. Well, um, I think we are concluding Green Porno as it is because the book is coming out right. with a DVD and so we want to give the chance for the publisher to sell the book. We're thinking of another possibility to do something called maybe sexual selection, which is the courtship, how the animals seduce each other. Mm. Um, we would try to stay away from the word porno because though it was very catchy and very, it worked like bait, so it worked for our advantage, but some people, uh, especially sponsor, felt uh, that they didn't want to help us, but we want the sponsor. So I hope sexual selection will lure them in. <laughs> It should work. I have a feeling that could, I, I, could work. I, 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 that's a very clean <laughs> word. Um, what do you think about animals and feelings? Like, one, you know, you give these animals like human human feelings. You know, rage and jealousy and and whatever. Uh, all the one you know familiar emotions. Um, and sex is associated with both reproduction and with pleasure for humans. But what do you think, you know, the real animals We don't know. Feel? Isn't that incredible? Yeah. We live with them constantly. <laughs> we don't even know it about our cats and dogs, which yeah. we, we have lived here for dogs especially, because dog has been the first animal that was domesticated. Right. It comes from wolf, but, you know, we, we, it was 15,000 years ago. It became man's best friend. And still we don't know, do they think? Um, they... they I, there are many theories, you know, and if you are a, Darwin believes there is a continuity between people, uh, men, and animal. Consequently, there is also continuity also in feelings and intellectual capacities. Uh, for other people, man does not belong to the realm of animals. It's completely different, so our right. feelings, our intelligence cannot be shared with animal at all. So there is still this debate going on, and we still don't have the, the answer. But I do think, I mean, in my films, I never really make, I, I assume that if you hurt an animal, it'll feel pain, and, you know, and it screams, or it tries to um, run away from you that you're inflicting pain, or I'm sure that uh, sexuality is attractive. I don't know if it's pleasurable, but it must be attractive because... They, you know, you, you see male running after female when they are in heat or ready to mate. That, so there are certain things that I think w it's plausible to think there are feelings of uh, yeah. seeking sex or feeling hungry so you want to eat, feeling sleepy. Well, some of these species, pain. like their whole purpose is built entirely around reproduction. It seems to yes, be like there is a fish. Imagine, <laughs> they, they didn't even think... They, did, they, they thought it was a different species because the male is very, very small and attaches itself to the female. This is the anglerfish, and I have uh, yeah. the made the film. And the male attaches itself to the female 
and then stops swimming, stops eating. It becomes just a sex machine delivering sperms whenever she wants to get pregnant. And it, it stops living. It just becomes a part of her. So they didn't think when they found a husband, a male, swimming by itself before he found a female, they didn't even, even think he was an anglerfish. Hmm. <laughs> now, w one of the sort of byproducts of the film, these films, I think, is that it, it takes a very playful um, view of sexuality in general. And, and in this country, I think there's a lot of uptightness, I mean, about sex um, in different ways. So I think what we I got mean, millions of hits, so there's uptightness, whatever but, it but is. Interest but in it. <laughs> but <Yeah>. interest. <laughs> but the sort but the sort of comfortable, relaxed, playful attitude towards sex, I think is something that's we didn't we didn't have any uh, complaints right. so f you know so far people at the beginning I think the word porno you know sometimes I'm a foreigner and maybe word resonates in me differently I thought green porno was very funny and hilarious when I thought of the title yeah. and then some people even friends of mine uh, liberals uh, they 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 reacted a little bit like this so sometimes I think well you know maybe as a foreigner I've used a word that resonates to an American ear differently than it resonates into mine right. but the context of the film they are not pornographic at all right. in fact they were they are taken by some schools my son took the films to his school and the professor is now showing it into class and then other t other schools in started the same thing in, in, uh, high, school, high school okay. high school Great. and even the middle school did yeah. it so I was very pleased, you know, because yeah. it was, uh, and I've been very careful never to use any curse or any anything, just to, to speak straight face, a little bit like Buster Keaton, uh, you know, and give the information as it is. Right. Okay, well, we, um, let's open it up a bit for questions. So, I, wait, just wait for the microphone. So, there's a, somebody eagerly raising her hand back here, but just wait for a mic. Here we go. Hi. I love your work. I use it with my students. I teach a college-level course. And I noticed that um, the one on the snail was suddenly no longer available. And I was wondering if that was because it's the only one to address, say, you used the word sadomasochistic activity. And I wonder if you got censored because of that specifically. I don't think so. I mean, we can... I don't think so. I think that... Uh, as far as now, the, 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 the films are avail available on the SundanceChannel.com, but they are available for a period of time, and then new programs are put on the SundanceChannel.com. The book will have all the 18 films that I've done, all the complete uh, series. So I, I think it was just because the snail was on the first one that I've done. The way the snails... Uh, mate is very interesting. They are hermaphrodites. Each one is male and female. But when they meet each other, they have a dart. They produce a dart and they dart each other as you know, and they do a kind of a duel. So the assumption is that in order to, there is a, a, a courtship that demands some sort of pain because they, they really inflict pain to one. We don't know if they feel the pain, but we can see that they push and they recoil until they mate. So I call them sadomasochists. <laughs> okay. Another question? Right over, there's one over here. So just wait for the microphone. Um, when, you dis when you conceived them and decided to direct them, did you always know that you would be the actress in them as well? Or did you think about 
hiring someone else to do that? I did a film. I did a film before I did this film. It was called My Dad is a Hundred Years Old. I actually even presented it here at the Apple Store. It was a twenty minutes film dedicated to my father. It was a surrealistic film that was directed by Guy Madden the Canadian filmmaker that makes everything look like very ancient, old, you know, silent movie. But I wrote the script, and uh, I play all the roles. That idea came to Guy. Guy suggested that I would play all the roles, and I sort of liked it because it simplified a lot of problems, uh, like hiring actors, play different salaries, sending cars to pick up people. So one idea to use myself is that I know I'm an actress, I know I can play, and it just simplifies much more. So I, I tend to use myself. Until I have a bigger budget, then I can play, uh, they can pay Brad Pitt. <laughs> okay, oh, this one right down here. Um, do you have a favorite costume? Oh, was there a favorite costume? No, but I have an unfavorite costume. The worst, uh, there were two worst. One was uh, um, the earthworm, because the earthworm was 35 feet long, but I, it, you know, I was wrapped in this uh, um, to look like an earthworm, and he took away my arms, and it takes a day per film. So like this, you know, if my nose scratched, I had to go like this. I couldn't drink. I, you know, I was completely assisted, you know, for drink, from can you answer the phone. I'd never had a break. So that one was really claustrophobic. And the whale was the, the difficulty of the set because the whale was very big. I was wearing a, a fat costume, so I was very, very big. But also the other whale were enormous. So that was very difficult. And everybody had a string to pull at a certain point to make that one move, the other one move. So these two films were the most complicated to make. <laughs> we do have another one to look at. So just as a little treat, let's um, look at another one of the green porno films. Pizza Napoletana with tomatoes, cheese, and anchovies. Anchovies? If I were an anchovy, I would live in a group, a school of anchovies. The best position is to be in the middle of the group. Let me stay in the middle. Let me in. Let me in! The most dangerous position is to be at the periphery of the group, where I can be easily eaten. Ah! Ah. So there, for example, how did you decide that anchovies were going to be so interesting? Because we find out they have these wild orchids. Actually, anchovies, it, anchovies, it was a... Um, they're not so interesting. I mean, they're interesting. They're interesting. Everything is interesting. But, the, but that was a confusion with the communication I had with... Uh, um, the scientist. Actually, the animal that has become an endangered... I mean, if I had to redo the films, I would do the grouper, which is an animal that we always eat at the restaurant. And the grouper is a solitary animal that lives, you know, swims around by itself. And he does this very big aggregation only when he's mating. These mating are called the spawning, the orgies. And and that has become the moment that it was the easiest to fish them out of the sea, because you can get a lot of them, but they get them 
when they are about to reproduce. So that has put the grouper in 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 an endangered list, or I don't know, it's a threatened list. So if I would, but at the time. I, there was this miscommunication because one of the scientists was Peruvian, and in Peru is where they get a lot of anchovies, and they get the anchovies uh, to create animal feed, even fertilizers, and they're ruining the coast of uh, um, of Peru by taking all these anchovies. Consequently, also eliminating. Uh, penguins, uh, dolphin. So she had insisted by sending email, do anchovies, do anchovies. And, um, and then later on I thought, oh, but the grouper was a much more interesting story because that's what we eat all the time. And we don't eat that many anchovies. I mean, sometimes in pizza. But in America, not too many people eat them. In Italy we do, but not okay. in Latin America. Okay. Uh, there's a question right down in front. So just wait for the mic. I found all of these to be particularly adorable to look at but the kitchen the kitchen <laughs> set is really precious i see the pots and pans hanging on the wall behind and i'm wondering if as the kitchen set up did you find that you stopped eating any foods oh yes because I, of this yes the kitchen actually uh, andy byers who's this fantastic guy that does all this origami with paper came photographed my kitchen and redid it in paper i couldn't believe it i entered there was even a a box i had uh, a little box that i kept just because somebody gave but it's a paper box i even found that you know this this box that you keep and then they you know you throw away a month later but that month was there when he took the photo so i found it there um i stopped eating fish or some you know first i stopped eating red meat and chickens when i read that it's full of hormones it's full of antibiotics uh, plus the cruelty to the animal which bothered me i mean i don't want to be a um uh, just a vegetarian but i don't want to do things to hurt anybody not even the animal but he also bothered me the health issue so i've been careful at e buying organic food but you can't always buy i don't live in new york i live outside new york so sometimes i can find organic chicken but not so much beef um then i thought well i'll eat a lot of fish because it's very healthy and i'll stay thin and then I found out that everybody has had the same idea, and we are six billion people, so now we are overfishing the ocean that it cannot produce enough for us to eat. So I have difficulties eating, definitely. I think we all do. To a, to a certain extent, the consciousness of, uh, um, of where our food comes from and to our health, and also the health of the planet, is concerning. I mean, if the, I don't want the ocean to be empty. I don't want to eat it out. I feel now the urge to realize what I've always dreamed uh, since I was a little girl. It was to make funny films about animals because animals make me laugh. But I want the information to be correct. And if anything, there is one question that I always have is, do they think? Do they think? Do they feel? Because uh, I have dogs. And that, you know, the same wonderment that some people might feel when they stare at the stars or look at the ocean... I have, when I look at my dog, it makes me laugh too because he always does something funny, but he does something interesting. Uh, always, and I don't know what he understands and he doesn't understand, and I raise dogs for the blind, and they are so good to, to the person that they are serving, and they are so dedicated and so devoted. Um, do they understand what they're doing? 
I have that question every day. And you leave the question open. You leave it sort of a question mark, because, yes. but you get us to pay attention. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Okay. Any more questions? Uh, okay. We'll take, we have time for two more. So, okay. Oh, over here. Hi, you've already mentioned grouper, and I was wondering if um, there are any other animals that you now wish you had included in the series. If there are other animals, you mentioned the grouper, but are there other other animals that you would, you know, well, like we have to, to be, like you know, the the animal that I eat all the, I ate all the time were swordfish. I haven't eaten now in five years. It really threatened. <coughs> Tuna is now becoming very danger endangered. In I mean. Uh, um, in the Mediterranean, has been completely forbidden uh, the the fishing of the tuna because the the population collapsed. Uh, salmon, which we have all the time, all the coast, all the west coast of Oregon, all into California, has been forbidden because the the, the population collapsed. Some of the um, fish farming isn't very good either because fish farming creates the same problem that we have with uh, farming of our chickens, for example. When you create density, you also create potential problems, uh, health problems, viruses, um, bacteria. So you have to give antibiotics so that the animal don't affect each other. So the salmon, um, the fa farm which is called fish farming, of the salmon. They put them in big pen. I saw them in Chile. They're enormous pen, and they keep this animal. First of all, it's a little sad, but who knows if they suffer or not. But these are animals that migrate. You know, they, have, they are born in the rivers. They come down the rivers where there is sweet water, and they then live their life in the ocean. Then they come back to the place where they were born, coming back, changing even type of water. So it's, it, so it's sad to see them going round and round in this big pen, but who knows if they suffer or not. But the density of them forces the people to give them antibiotics. And also, because something happens that they are not happy and they eat the food that they wouldn't eat uh, uh, generally, because they generally eat um, a shrimp, that's why they, their skin is pink, but shrimp it would be too expensive to give. They lose the color, the pink salmon color, so they're giving dye. So if you eat a farm salmon, you eat dyes, you eat antibiotics, and you eat an animal, uh, you know, plus the, the wild fish, they come around this pen because there is food there, you know, that drops off and comes off the net. And so they start eating the pebble, they start eating the antibiotic, they start eating the dyes. So that is contaminated, of course, of Chile. And so they had to close part of this fishery, and now they're doing, they move south to continue doing it, but then pollute those waters. So fish farming is no good. The same thing is true for f uh, shrimp farming. Shrimps is everywhere. I mean, every bar, cafe, they say shrimp cocktail. I, I didn't realize what it meant. Most of the shrimp cocktails you get is uh, shrimp farming. And the shrimp farming is done in the coastal line. You know, you have the coast and then you have the ocean. But in between the coastal line and the ocean, generally there is a buffer zone of brackish water with that's where a lot of uh, babies animal are born and uh, uh, so they're very precious places when you do fish farming what you do you dig a canal and you make a pond and then you create a great density of shrimp again medicine so they don't infect each other and uh, and you sh and you then you have an enormous quantity of shrimps but 
they are not good for you because they have medicines and they have antibiotics. Um, they eat each other's uh, shit because they shit on each other. Uh, they kill whatever is on the bottom because if you have density, there is also an accumulation of debris, shit. Uh, so they kill everything that is there. Plus the animal that was going to be born and grow in that habitat um, has lost the habitat. So I don't eat any animal. Fish farming might be good, maybe trout. But I haven't understood all of it. For the moment, I think 80% is all wrong. So until I'm given clear instruction, and we're not. If you go to a fish market and you say, because I heard that you can eat an Alaskan salmon. So I went to the market and I said, I want Alaskan wild-caught salmon. And the guy said, lady, we just have salmon. Like, look at me like a pain in the ass. So, so I said, okay, I'll have uh, organic chicken then. <laughs> okay. Um, and over here, last one over here. You're just getting more and more beautiful every day. I just wanted to let you know that. Thank, um, you. Thank you. Everyone's thinking it, and maybe they're a little shy because they're intimidated by your fabulosity. But aside from that, since you've learned all that you've learned about different animals and you've stopped eating certain things, what are you eating? <laughs> Just organic chicken? So I, I, um, I bought myself, because I live in the country, so I bought myself six chickens. They're babies. So I'm waiting for them to, to start the eggs. So I will eat their eggs. But I do buy organic eggs and uh, tofu and vegetables and... Uh, cheese, uh, especially goat cheese, because I like it and it's less fattening. And I do eat uh, um, fish. I live in Long Island, so I eat the oysters because they are, there is a new cultivation of oysters, and it would be, is to, I would like to encourage that cultivation of oysters. Uh, the oysters disappeared from the bays around New York. And actually, they, have, they filter the water, so it would be good to have them, f clams and oysters, and because they filter the water and they clean it. So I eat oysters. Uh, crabs, I don't feel bad about eating because there's many, many of them. And actually, when the water pollutes, there is a lot of an increase of crabs and jellyfish. But jellyfish, I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> but crab, I eat uh, with uh, no hesitation because I know there is a lot of them. I find that uh, because I live in Long Island, um, I can find out more easily about the local fish than fish that come from far away. And I can buy them directly from the fish farms or, you know, the oyster breeder and all that. So that's pretty, that has helped. But I, I, I imagine that if I ask the question to all of you, you all say to a certain degree in the last five to six years, we all had problems eating because we all read this terrifying article on the right. press. Yeah, we know too much. Well, thank you. Thanks for pointing out how beautiful she is. I was too shy to say that, but um, it's certainly true up this close. So um, thanks for being here. And, good, and, um, and again, the book Green Porno, which is in paperback, come, does come with a DVD with all these films. So um, not that we're here to plug the book, but it's well, a great book. book. Right. But thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.